Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. The ECNL Girls National Championship took place this past weekend and into Monday in Virginia. And on the Friday before this past weekend, ECNL CEO and President Christian Lavers brought us a little East Coast, West Coast flavor as we caught up with Walid Corey, who along with his brother Ziad, leads the Slammers Football Club, also known as LAFC Slammers. And in fact, this week announced another rebrand. Walid represented the West Coast and Aaron Bruner, the ECNL Director for Richmond United, represented the East Coast on this podcast. So while you will hear Christian Lavers ask Walid and Aaron about their prep for this past weekend, I can assure you whatever they said, whatever they did, it indeed worked. The Slammers won the overall ECNL Club Championship, clinching the U13 and U16 National ECNL Girls Championships and finishing second in the U17s and third in the U14s. How is that for a great weekend? And Aaron Bruner's team at the U16 level captured third place in front of a massive and enthusiastic hometown crowd in Richmond, VA. So congrats to both of those teams and every single participant and all that were involved in the ECNL Girls National Championships, including their commissioner, Jen Winningo, who provided me, Dean Linke, with all of these great updates. And when we return, we hear from Walid Corey from the Slammers and Aaron Bruner from Richmond United from an interview, again, recorded going into this past weekend. And you can enjoy both of these interviews after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. Walid and Ziad Khoury have become two of the most recognizable faces and personalities on the sidelines of youth soccer fields all over the nation. They are founders of National Powerhouse Slammers Football Club, which has consistently been ranked as one of the top five clubs in the nation for the past 15 years. Walid and Ziad have developed some of the best players for all levels, both domestically and internationally. The Corey brothers have guided Slammers Football Club to four ECNL National Championships. In 2012 and 2016, Slammers was awarded the ECNL Overall Club Championship, one of the most prestigious national awards in youth soccer, which recognizes outstanding performance and competition in every age group throughout the club. Their teams have won every major tournament in the United States. Together, the Corey brothers have coached more than 475 athletes who went on to play soccer in all divisions of college, at every level of the U.S. national team system, in the NWSL, and on international professional teams. 
players they have developed have gone on to become World Cup champions, Olympians, NCAA champions, NCAA Herman Award winners, All-Americans, Gatorade Players of the Year, U.S. Female Athletes of the Year, and NWSL first-round draft picks. They are both also winners of multiple Coach of the Year awards. And right here, right now, ECNL President and CEO Christian Labors will spend the next 20 minutes or so with Waleed. But before I turn it over to Mr. Labors, first let me welcome Mr. Curry to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Waleed, thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and one of the things we realized right away is I was out in Orange County for three years with the U.S. national team. And Frank Klopas is really played a key role in you doing what you do now. Yes, yes. Uh, back in the good old days. Um, Frankie was uh, with the U.S. national team for the 94 World Cup and they were in Mission Viejo. And Frank was training two boys teams back then. And then after the World Cup, he got drafted to Kansas City. So he gave Z and I those two teams, and that's how my career started. I started coaching boys, and those were the first two boys teams we coached. And he's still an honorary member on our board and godfather for my daughter. <laughs> I love it. Well, with that, I'll turn it over to the esteemed Christian Labors, who's thrilled to have you on as well. Hey, Waleed, it's great to have you on here. And as usual, Dean put together quite the uh, introduction summarizing what you and your brother have managed to accomplish. So congratulations on all that, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Christian. For those who don't know you, I mean, I think probably everybody in, in youth soccer knows you guys to some degree or another, but not everybody may know your backstory. Can you give a little bit of a backstory of how you came to this country and, and what got you into, into soccer? Yeah, I'm, uh, I came here when I was 14. I escaped the Civil War in Lebanon. I'm originally Lebanese, Lebanese-American. Came here, was the, got to be in Newport Beach and not a bad place to, to land at from Lebanon, from a civil war, and grew up there. And then um, I was working for my older brother, and the World Cup was here. So leading, they chose Mission Viejo to be uh, the center for the national team and got to meet Frankie at a Greek Orthodox church. And he told ZNI he's training two boys teams, and ZNI started helping him with the teams. And um, when he got drafted, we got those two teams. We started with two boys teams, and within two years, um, we got accepted to Surf Cup, which back then was really, really hard to get into. Got with both boys teams in as a last seed and we ended up winning them within two hours in the finals of each other. So that's how it started. Um, we started the Slammers Football Club in Newport Beach. We started with boys. And then in 99, we went to girls and that's when we started with the girls, 99. That's how it all happened. <laughs> so where did you come up with the name Slammers? There's a player named Tyson Wall. He's in the Hall of Fame of Columbus Crew. He played in the uh, MLS for a while. There was a game back then in 94 at the arcade called Slammers. And we asked the boys what they want to name the team, the first team. And they said Slammers. And that, so it came off an arcade game back then in the early 90s. We carried it since. Dean went through all of the accomplishments that your club has as, as far as team championships, as far as individuals that have gone on to the highest levels. I guess if you if you take a step back from that, when you when you hear Dean go through all that stuff, and I know you're a very humble guy, but when you hear that, you got to have a lot of pride in what your club and your staff has done over the years. What do you think when you hear all of those accomplishments? How blessed I am. I'm a man of faith and I've been very blessed to do something I love for a living. And when I got presented that opportunity, I worked so hard to make it come true and give the best that I can to my players. Fortunate to have those kind of players in, in our pathway, in our journey. 
And I just give it all to being dedicated to the game, being humble, being kind, and keep giving, and you shall receive. That's a great answer. If you had to describe what makes Slammers special, I know you wouldn't say winning and championships. What would you say makes Slammers special, both as a club and a culture, but also with respect to development of players, maybe a reason why so many good players have come through Slammers? Well, it's a family-oriented club. That's that's the first thing that I would give. Um, everybody's treated like they're family, and we're one big family. And when players are relaxed and they know that you care about them, you truly care about them, they will give you everything they got. A lot of it, too, is we take the pressure actually off winning on a lot of our teams, and we just want them to be become an exceptional soccer players. We allow them the freedom to play the styles, and most importantly, I think we give more freedom to play 1v1 than more than anybody. Honestly, the chemistries on the teams are amazing. And um, we, we kind of created our own culture and people that belong in that culture always find us. And that culture, you talk about, you talk about caring for players, you talk about freedom of players to kind of play without pressure. And a lot of people would probably say those things. What do you, what do you guys do to put to really make, make it go from a statement to a reality in the environment that you create? Don't put the emphasis on winning. The winning will come if you're building the teams right. And we always, at the end of every game, we literally focus on what we have done right after the game. I think what's lacked a lot in the game is a lot of positive reinforcement, especially with girls. Girls are perfectionists. You know, I, I've, got, I've got a boy and a girl. And they both go to school. My girl have to get up at six to look perfect to go at eight to school. My boy can barely get up at seven thirty. So they just need that positive reinforcement and letting them make the mistakes without saying you made that mistake, you made that mistake. I think positive reinforcement at a youth level will go a very long way. For every ten positives, say one negative. A lot of people say that, but if you follow that, you will be able to bring the best out of your players. What you see in a lot of games is players are not playing to their best potential because they're fearing of making mistakes. And once that released off them and they know that they can make the mistake, that's one players you could reach the potential, the best potential. That's, that's interesting. Appreciate you sharing so much about us. I mean, for those who don't know, you're in Richmond right now. So you've left your beautiful home of Newport Beach. And I don't know if you could find Richmond on a map, Wally. You'd probably, you know, put your feet, your hands somewhere in Georgia or something like that. But you're in Richmond. You got four teams that are are playing in the final four of the ECNL, which is a pretty incredible accomplishment on any year. And and I think it's probably even even for you guys, four in uh, in one year is a lot. I would think. So, what are you looking forward to this weekend uh, when you see your teams playing against the very best in the country and competing for national championships? Look, uh, the honest truth is, we started competing against the very best in regionals. The regionals this year for the ECNL was unbelievable. And when you look, even like clubs like Real Colorado that brought six teams into regionals, and there isn't one here. And they had four teams that if one of them was here, they are as good as anybody here. The competition started at regionals. It's with Real Colorado back in and PD and all the, all the clubs competing. In our groups, we went down to the last game to make it out of groups. And three out of the four that made it to the final four have one OPKs to, cut, to get here. I think the platform is unbelievable. And once you start with that Champions League, the competition starts there. Now you're coming to the final four. All four teams are incredible. Any anything can go. And we're just happy to be here. We're fortunate to be here. 
and we will do our best. Whatever is meant to be is meant to be. This is indeed the best. We're with Waleed, Corey, and Christian Labors. We'll step aside, take a quick break, and be back with more Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Dean Linky with CEO and president of ECNL, Christian Labors, who's joined by Waleed Corey. Take it away, Christian. So, Waleed, you just talked about the competition in the ECNL Champions League and gave a nice nod to some of the teams that you played in, in the playoffs a couple of weeks ago. But we've had this conversation, you and I, for many, many years now because uh, our relationship goes back. What is it about the ECNL that fits your club and why you feel the ECNL is the right place for your club? It's simple. The ECNL, one, is have great leadership and it, it allows us to be involved in decisions. Uh, what separates ECNL than any platform that we have been at is they bring everybody to a table and ask them about their opinions about what can we do to get better. And they listen to everybody and then we make the best decision moving forward. And no other platform has had that. Everybody else will throw and tell you what needs to be done. The majority of these clubs and the DOCs of these clubs have been doing this, some of them for decades, and they have a wealth of experience. So I love the fact in the ECNL that we always are brought at the AGM to a room where everybody throws their opinions, oh, what can we get better at, what needs to be done, and then... Christian listens and we execute. And that's, that's the best part for me. And now that everybody is back here and the competition is incredible, I love it. Uh, it's built to really help youth players on understanding the markets from the way it does the conferences, to less travel in the conferences, to the showcases, to the way the showcases games are set up. The college coaches love it. I mean, there was hundreds, if not thousands of college coaches at the last event and every event we go to. And that's what's it all about. We keep getting better too. So that's the part that I love. To reference your conference, I mean, you compete in Southern California, which is, you know, probably without a doubt, the most competitive marketplace in the country in terms of the number of players, the ability to play year round, the just number of top players there. How do you survive in that market? How do you compete in that market? Because you talk about a place that can be very cutthroat and very difficult to operate. You guys are obviously, you've planted a big flag. How do you function in a marketplace like Southern California? Stick to your values, stick to your core, stick to your mission statement, and you'll attract the people that believe in that. It's, it's that simple. And there's other clubs that see, see it the other direction and they attract their type of players and customers too. So we just stick to our values, to our cores, but it's, a, it's an incredible conference. The talent is incredible in Southern California. Like you said, the weather is phenomenal. So we get to play all year round. Honestly, coming out of that conference prepares you. A lot of credit goes not just to Slammers in that conference, but every club that is in that conference. And you got clubs like Surf, incredible. And now the addition of Legends and Beach even added more to the conference. And let's not forget about Vegas and Arizona who have phenomenal age groups too. So being in that conference, I love it because it really prepares you for the showcases and for a regional and national competition. So this is the end of what has been a very challenging year for everybody. Um, obviously, 
you guys had, you know, in some ways more challenges than a lot of people in California with the restrictions and prohibitions that went on there longer than almost anywhere else in the country. So when you look back over the last 12 months of COVID and the, and the way that forced you to reexamine what you do, make plans and then new plans and then new plans and then new plans. When you look back, what do you take away from a COVID year that you'll take forward and, and maybe will impact the way you run the club or the way you coach moving forward? Well, definitely the Zoom calls is that one thing that we will take. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody figured out someone effective way <laughs> to run coaches meetings and even have uh, sessions with the players. I'm looking back on it. I mean, when I look right now and we got four teams here and considering that we haven't played a single competitive game still March is, is unbelievable, but you know, it shows you that life could throw curveballs at you and it's how you react. And we made the best out of it and our players adapted to it. All the credit goes to our players and our parents supporting them. Life throws curveballs at you and you got to stare them straight in the eye and make the best out of it. And then it will come around. You mentioned earlier that you're a person of faith, which is wonderful. And that guides a lot of, I think, your philosophies and your outlooks. But I, I know you've also, I'm sure, had some pretty important mentors or people that have helped you grow as a coach. Can you tell us who some of those people may be and, and what you've learned from different coaches that have helped you become the coach and director that you guys are? Through this journey, it's been a long journey for me, 28 years. Um, there's a lot of coaches that I honestly, I looked up to. Uh, one of them was Colin Chester back. He used to be the director for surf. I learned a lot from him of how to manage a team, how to manage championship games. My first national championship played in 2002. I literally went up to him, knocked at his door. I said, how do you manage a roster <laughs> for the final with the subbing? <laughs> because we're so used to free subbing. Lauren from Real Colorado playing against him in 2005 at regionals and seeing the way his calmness in the game and the way he talks to the players. And I like watching through that journey too, you know, we run into Michael O'Neill and, and Rory and so many people, you know, successful people in this industry, Doug from Michigan Hawks. You, I love sitting behind them and watching them and taking the best that they do and try to make it my own way because they're done an incredible job and, and help shape soccer and women's soccer in America. So your first game's tomorrow morning. You're probably going to be uh, pretty tense uh, for most of the day tomorrow with four teams playing. I would imagine that from probably 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., you're going to be going through the emotional ups and downs of these semifinal games. Is there anything that you tell your teams the night before that you want to share to help them in, in terms of performing and playing at their best in, in this the, the biggest stage in youth soccer? I tell them you're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. Um, you've earned being here, the competition, and they've earned being here. So we show up, everybody that's here have earned to be here. And we're just ready to play this game. I really believe that regionals have prepared everybody like no other regionals for these games. And the competition is not going to be different than the last games we played in group or the quarterfinals. Everybody that's here deserves to be here. And um, I think it's going to be crackers of semifinals and finals. And it's a phenomenal year. And the last speech I had with them is, hey, who would have thought we'd even be here with the COVID year? Who would have thought we'd be playing? So go out there and enjoy it. Because this one moment in time that nobody can take away from you. You can't talk about Slammers and Waleed without also mentioning your brother Z. 
talk a little bit about Z and what he means to you and what he means to the club because I don't see him in the background. Maybe he's maybe he's off camera somewhere. <laughs> so give us something about Z because he's obviously a really big important piece to what you guys do. Uh, he's my twin brother. He's the most positive guy I've ever been around, and you know that, Christian. <laughs> it doesn't matter. ZF coach probably more national championship finals than anybody I've ever known. He's just so positive. I don't know what filter he uses in his ears and he's going to lift to 110. Always just brings very positive with the players. Doesn't matter win or loss. He is always the same. And honestly, his ability to, to develop players like the Christian presses of the world. He gives them the freedom to play and always supports them positively and brings the best out of them. Not just Z2. I mean, I got the best coaching staff in the country, too, with us. Uh, a lot of my coaching staff have been with me for decades. The new ones have been at least six years. So we don't do a lot of changing in our coaching staff. It's the same coaching staff that's been together since 2002, 2003. Great answer. Great interview. Because I started with Frank Klopas, you also shared a very important message from Bora Militinovic that you said he told you back in the day. Can we end with that, Wally? Can you tell us what he told you? Yes, um, I was a uh, party for 93 for the U.S. national team and Bora was there and Frank was telling him, hey, he's going to be coaching the team. So Bora stopped and you, know, and you know Bora how he looks and talks and he's like, so you want to be a coach? I said, yeah. He goes, so you want to be a good coach one day? I said, yeah. He goes, good. I'm going to give you the secret. I said, what's that? You need to be a great psychologist. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like, what is this guy talking about? And boy, did he give me the secret of coaching. Amen. Right, Christian? And listen, Waleed's got all sorts of, uh, all sorts of little <laughs> stories. I remember the Chinese parable you told me uh, <laughs> a, few, uh, a few months ago as well. Waleed's full of, uh, of information you wouldn't expect. Waleed, thank you so much for being on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Waleed Corey representing the West Coast. Aaron Bruner, director for Richmond United ECNL, representing the East Coast. Christian Labors sits down with Mr. Bruner when we return. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where today we're like a battle of the rappers with the West Coast represented in segment one with Waleed Corey, and now the East Coast represented by Aaron Bruner. Aaron is the ECNL director, ECNL director of operations for Richmond United. The University of New Hampshire graduate has literally coached at just about every level. He has all the right paperwork, a U.S. Soccer A license, U.S. Soccer National Youth license. He is a U.S. Soccer instructor licensee, a U.S. Soccer U-17 women's national team staff member, a U.S. Soccer scout, an ECNL national PDP director, an International Champions Cup with the Futures, and a Virginia All-Stars general manager. His other credentials include being on the CONCACAF U-17 women's championship staff, CCL Pro 23 women's league champion, ECL Mid-Atlantic Conference champions for U-14, U-15, and U-16, ECNL Champions League qualifications for 14, 15, 16, and 17, 
a U.S. Youth Soccer Boys National Coach of the Year and Region Boys Coach of the Year and a Virginia Youth Soccer Boys Coach of the Year, just for starters. Welcome, Aaron, to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, your good friend and my good friend, the president and CEO of the ECNL, Christian Labors. I'm going to say, Dean, I, I, it looked like the longer that intro went, the more uncomfortable Aaron got. Did you see that? <laughs> I certainly saw that. That is an absolute truth. <laughs> well, congratulations, Aaron, on, on all the uh, accomplishments that you've had. And first and foremost of that, uh, congratulations on the qualification that you have of uh, your U16 team to the ECNL Final Four this weekend. Thank you. We're uh, very excited to be playing on our home fields and bringing in all the top talent around the country to compete against and uh, looking forward to tomorrow at West Creek. What does it mean to you guys to have a team in the Final Four? I mean, really, it's the biggest stage of youth club soccer in this country. Incredibly difficult to get to this point, much less to win two more games and win a championship. But it's a big accomplishment just to be here. What does it mean to you, your team, and your club to have a team playing in the Final Four? Yeah, I think it was uh, something special for us to push through it finally into the final four. We've had a couple of teams go to the Elite Eight and fell short of that uh, next jump to be able to return home and play on our home fields. Over the last nine years that I've been involved with the ECNL, I've had the opportunity to go to many final fours, watch top teams compete against each other, top teams win the title on our fields. And it's just a great honor for us to have the opportunity to compete against some of the best teams in the country, if not the world. It means a lot to our city. It means a lot to our club. It means a lot to our players and families, uh, along with our leadership. And I think without any of those pieces, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. So the support from everybody involved over the last nine to you know 12 years that have been part of the ECNL program here in Richmond uh, has helped us get to this point. So for those that, that don't know, because a lot do, but R Richmond United has kind of been used as a model for a collaboration in youth soccer in a variety of different places and, and times in this country. And it goes back, and you, you can tell with more specifics than I have, but uh, maybe 10 years ago or so, when uh, Richmond kickers and Richmond strikers, two big clubs that were notoriously competitive, I guess I'll describe it as that, came together to create Richmond United. Obviously, you guys have done a, a wonderful job of coaching and developing and growing and, and improving every year. But that decision to bring all of the best players in Richmond from the two biggest clubs in Richmond together into one platform was really the genesis, I think, of the ability to do this. So can you talk a little bit about Richmond United and that, that partnership and how it's initially established and then how it's grown over the years? Sure. I think the first conversations were with leadership on how to go about creating teams that will be able to compete nationally to be able to elevate opportunities for those players involved in those teams to be able to advance and compete either in national playoffs for the development academy when the boys were involved in the program and then the ECNL program for the girls. Uh, and ultimately now both the boys and the girls programs are in the ECNL uh, to be able to, you know, compete against the best, not just, uh, you know, in, in our state or in our conference, but we wanted to be involved in Champions League soccer. We wanted to get opportunities to have our players go to all levels of college soccer uh, from the highest levels within the world as well with our players that can compete with the U.S. national teams. The two clubs discussed these opportunities 
they felt that the boys program uh, was the first uh, and priority at the time to be able to collaborate because they had two clubs that competed in the same league in the Developmental Academy. And they wanted to, you know, merge them together to get those players together to be able to compete uh, in that league. And then they felt it made complete sense for us to move to the girls program. And at the time, the kickers were not in the Developmental Academy or in the ECNL but we collaborated with them right from the start. And immediately there was a huge jump from our status from being a good club to a very good club. And now we're now competing with some of the best in the country on a weekly and uh, yearly basis. Your staff obviously is I mean, pretty excited right now, I'm sure. And I'm sure you had a training session this morning or maybe this afternoon, or you're at least going to have a meeting with your team. What are you going to tell your team today before you step on the field tomorrow for uh, pregame warmups? Yeah, we just got back from Florida and started training again after a small little break leading up to the weekend against PDA. Uh, we actually gave our players off today with our last training session uh, yesterday. And we have our team dinner tonight to kind of preview the weekend, uh, specifically tomorrow. Uh, if I was to say anything to our team about the opportunity that we have is to be ourselves, focus on our approach on every moment of the game, and every little detail matters. And we have to be as together as possible within the process when it comes to our players, when it comes to the team, when it comes to the staff, uh, as well as our, our parents on the sideline. And I think what's going to be pretty remarkable is the support that we're going to receive within the community. We're going to have uh, both clubs, Richmond Kickers and Strikers, family members and, and players that are involved in those programming out at the games. We're going to have the boys Richmond United program out at watching the game. So the crowd will definitely be uh, felt. So I believe tomorrow will be an exciting day for our players and to go out and, and focus on what we've been doing all year and just continue to add upon the developmental process and the experience and really enjoy every moment, but give everything we have to it and compete and find a way to, you know, move on. I referenced earlier, you know, the the collaboration and the merger of Richmond United 10 years ago or whatever it may be. And obviously every year they're seeing steps forward in your club in terms of where your teams and players have gone. And I think it's it's also appropriate to recognize that on the boys side, you also have a team that's playing in the ECNL finals in the final eight in St. Louis next week. So you're doing it at the highest level on both genders right now. What is it uh, about Richmond United you think that is unique and special? I mean, I, we just spoke with Waleed Corey about Slammers. Obviously, they're in Orange County in one of the biggest hotbeds of soccer, if not the biggest hotbed of soccer in, in the country. You're in Richmond, Virginia. It's a much different market. It's a, it's a much smaller density of players. But what is it about Richmond United and the program that you guys have set up that you think makes it unique? makes it a good place for players and, and a good place for players to develop? I believe, you know, being a small soccer city allows us to focus on everyday detail that matters. I think, you know, our, our who we are, you know, our club vision, our club mission, you know, every decision that we make has to fit in line with those pieces. So we know we're not a, a large city market, but we do know that we have talented coaches and we have talented directors here in town that really care about the game and want to improve the game and improve the environment. But not only that, they want, it, they want it to be a holistic development where the players feel as if they are growing as a person and they are growing as a, a player, as well as the, the team is the vehicle for all their successes. And I think, you know, with the city that we have with Richmond, 
you know, it, it's a it's a in a great location. We are close to you know some larger cities, and we're close to you know the water. We're close to the the mountains, but at the same time, you know, we do have players that will come from distances to be a part of what we do, and they fit our culture here that we have within Richmond, which will be you know focused on you know the development of each individual player and the guidance that we can provide them, you know, to become the best that they can be you know, is going to allow us to just, you know, continue to unite our city uh, within the two clubs and inspire players to be, you know, great individually as well as collective spirit with each other and then ultimately achieve what we're about to achieve in the next few years. I think right now we are at the beginning of what we can accomplish. And I think once we get more and more uh, opportunities to play and compete at the highest level, we're going to see this on a regular basis, but it's taken years and years. And you brought up the you brought up a uh, you brought up the LA Slammers. I have a quick story that I think will be really important because you know nine years ago ECNL used to have scouts on the sidelines where they would scout players from opponents and then we provide reports back into the league. And I remember sitting there watching PDA versus Slammers. I'm not particularly sure what age group it was, but it was definitely Mike O'Neill versus Walid playing at San Diego. And one of the most exciting games I've ever seen in my life. And this was my first experience of two high-level teams playing against each other on the ECNL platform. And PDA actually went on to win that game one nothing. And I, I almost stopped taking notes within the game because I was just enjoying the game so much that Waleed had come up to me and asked me, what did I think of the game? I, I, and I, I just I, I hesitated. I was like, it was unbelievable. And he goes, yeah, I saw what I needed to see. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I saw what I needed to see for the million dollar table. I go, what's the million dollar table? He goes, national championship. And not even only possibly three or four months later, they played each other in the national final at Richmond and Slammers ended up winning one nil. And to have the opportunity to go in this weekend playing against possibly three of the best teams in the country, if not the world, uh, is a tremendous credit to us to go in and have the opportunity to possibly play on the million dollar table against some of the best teams in the, in the, in the country. Absolutely. Wonderful story, Aaron, as he's talking about Michael Neal, PDA and the top man at Rutgers. And of course our first guest, Waleed Corey. I'm Dean Link. He'll be back with more Christian Labors and Aaron Bruner from Richmond United on breaking the line, the ECNL podcast. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade, the studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. ECNL Boys is partnering with Puma for the second year, driving sport forward with the leading products and the next generation of pros who wear them. Puma has proven themselves as the fastest sports brand in the world the fastest innovation, the fastest players, and the fastest products in the game. They're the perfect partner to complement the speed and talent of our teams. In keeping with their mantra of forever faster, Puma introduces the world's fastest boot, the Ultra. The only boot engineered for speed, the Ultra combines a woven upper with a lightweight outsole for direct forward motion, speed, and acceleration. It's the best in the game, designed for the best players in the game.
Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where we've got the West Coast, we've got the East Coast. This is the East Coast part of the show where we're joined by Richmond United's power-packed superstar Aaron Bruner, who's with Christian Labors. Take it away, Christian. I'm trying to remember which rapper was Rich, so I can, uh, you know, refer to Aaron as one. But I can't, I, I can't look at Aaron and think rapper. So I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm <laughs> So Aaron, you're a real student of the game. I think people who know you know that. You like to get into the fine details of everything. You also take learning and, and growth as a coach seriously. I know there's been a lot of people that uh, have been good mentors to you as coaches and helped you grow and develop as a coach. Can you talk about some of those people and maybe some of the things that you've learned from others that have helped you on your journey as a coach? Yeah, sure. I, I would have to say that King Krieger on the soccer level, who is Ali Krieger's father uh, from the women's national team, was a youth coach of mine, uh, as well as my high school coach uh, growing up. And then I came back to work with him for about 10 years at Prince William Soccer, which is now VDA, uh, Northern Virginia. He was a great mentor to me as far as the game and on the field uh, management. Uh, as, a, as a trainer, as a teacher, and as a uh, student of the game, he, he gave me the opportunity to uh, test theories, apply it within practice, but also gave me, you know, honest and open feedback uh, when it came to, you know, the, the, the smallest details within my approach. And he always had the opportunity to, you know, sit down with me and go over different things with me on a regular basis. But the thing that I take away from him is he's a master teacher. And he was a master motivator of, of allowing people who are around him to want to know more and challenge themselves to go deeper into what they were thinking and how they were thinking and how that would influence player development and how that would influence club development. And ultimately, you know, becoming a multiplier to where all of a sudden now I'm one of those individuals who are now passing on information to the next generation of coaches. But Ken Krieger for sure was a main mentor of mine. Jay Howell on leadership and uh, development. I believe, you know, Jay is one of the best in the country as far as his realistic and sharp information on what he is going to provide you. If he says something, he believes it. And if you don't want to hear it, he'll still tell you because he knows that ultimately it'll want to help you and guide you into the right direction. Um, and he's, you know, I believe the openness and the honesty behind those two mentors, I think have really helped me become the coach that I currently am, which I'll continue to evolve and develop and grow. But I think those are the two mainstays as far as the club environment. But I've also been able to work with people in the um, youth national team system, as well as the coaching education system, such as Paul Shaw from Virginia Youth Soccer, who I've worked with for many years in coaching education. And the more you teach, the more you realize you don't know. And I feel like, you know, coaching education is a great tool for me personally to continue to, you know, evaluate what I'm doing and how I'm teaching and how I'm presenting information and how I'm managing uh, our performances. So I think those three have had a major effect on me or a major impact on me within this, uh, within this, you know, process that I've been a coach. That's a, a good list of people. If you were to reflect a little bit and uh, internally, how have you changed as a coach in the last five years? <laughs> uh, you should ask Jay Howell that question. I think me personally being a parent has really helped me evolve and understand a little bit more about the development of players and, and kind of what's important, what's not important. I believe that my 
ability to manage players individually and collectively has improved immensely. You know, over the last few years, I think my leadership elements uh, collectively with staff helping me along the way and getting staff in and around me that I trust that I also know that are better than me in certain ways, I think is also an evolution for myself. I think I'm a little bit more open to, you know, feedback from different environments, such as parents, such as opposing club directors, as well as coaches, you know, asking for information. What do they think? What, you know, when they see a Richmond United team, what, what are their thoughts? And I feel, you know, if I'm able to ask those questions, I have to be open to the answers to those uh, responses. And I think over the years, I've become less defensive. I've been more confident in my abilities as a coach, which I think ultimately goes into the development of the players to where the players believe in what we're doing and the players gain that confidence in themselves. And, and everything has to go back to the players. And I think me being a parent, me being a leader within the Richmond community, I believe it's important that we focus on the player development process within the team setting. And I think that's where I've improved the most instead of it being, you know, as a young coach, a little bit more about me and the process that I'm involved in versus the process that the kids are involved in and what they're headed to. Last question for me before we close, and this has been a, this has been a great discussion. You mentioned your staff, and I know that getting a team to a platform like this is not done by one coach. And We've talked about the evolution of Richmond United and the incremental growth and, and, and improvement every year that's gone on, which is led by a great staff. Can you talk a little bit about your staff, the people that, that have helped not only these players, but all the players of Richmond and, and anything unique about the staff setup that you have? Sure. You have to look at the context that we have within Richmond. It, it is a small market area to where you know club staff is limited. But we do have a really strong environment where people enjoy the city, enjoy being and growing up here and raising families. And I think the family element of things is, is really important in this town. You, you have to identify enablers that are going to help you implement your strategy within your setting. So the organizations, kickers and strikers have been really big advocates on allowing us to identify staff that are going to help implement our ideas and our vision and mission goals. And the people involved in that to be able to execute it are key. And I think that we have a tremendous staff on hand right now, especially, you know, within my immediate world, within the girls game on the ECNL girls side, that is, is all in. Every one of them shows up, does more than they're expected, believes in what we're doing, wants e each other to be successful. Uh, egos get get set aside at times, but also we trust each other to be honest and open with each other and give each other feedback consistently after training, you know, during games, after games, and feel as if, you know, if we are doing well, there are things we can improve. If there are things that we are not doing well, there are things that we can talk about to help those operations improve. And the opportunities that we have now have taken a lot of work for staff over the years from when I arrived here, as well as, you know, current day, that the staff has challenged each other, has pushed each other, has pulled each other, made each other better. And I think right now we are starting to see the benefits of, of our hard work. But I, one thing I know about the staff right now is it's never good enough. It's always going to be what's next and keep moving. So name those guys and those women. Who are those people? Jay Howell, Kimmy Cummings, Ashley Williams, Chris Fryant, Mika Elavara, 
Greg Baim, Celia Mosier, Marty Baker, Greg Simmons, who are our current staff coaches within our program. But we've also had a few coaches over the years that have been a part of the program. Lee Kalashaw and Jay Howell obviously are the, the directors of soccer for the two clubs who are huge supporters of what we're doing. Uh, without their leadership, there is probably no way we can move as fast as we possibly can as we do right now. But we also have, you know, coaches like Rob Ucrop and Andy McIntosh and Ryan Flesh, Peter Nash, Lauren Gregg, all, all these different coaches that over the years who have been involved with our program in some form or fashion have all made each other better. You know, there have been always challenges that that happen, you know, with each other as far as ideas of how the game should be played or ideas of what what decisions should be made. But I believe all of that has really created an unbelievable environment to where we're all working together and we're all working in the same direction and we're all moving at a higher speed because we've gotten we pushed through the, the clouds and now we're moving in thinner air and faster. And some poetry at the end of this, talking about clouds and thin air. Aaron, Aaron Bruner is adding some prose to close this interview. So we have Dean. We had we have a East Coast West Coast, you know, giant powerhouse versus small little collaborative Richmond. You know, this is going to be a good weekend for the girls ECNL. Congrats to you guys, Aaron. Obviously, good luck to you guys this weekend. And I'll turn it over to the host with the most, Mr. Linky. You nailed it right there, Christian, and you're right. That was a fitting ending. Well done, Aaron. And those were some great names and great people that you just mentioned to close. So with that, Aaron Bruner, good luck this weekend. And thanks so much for being on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you. Have a great day. How about having a great weekend for both of our guests? Waleed, Corey, and the Slammers would win the ECNL overall club championship. They would take home two national championships, a second and a third. And Aaron Bruner, who we just heard from, took the Richmond United U16 girls to a third place finish with a win over Tampa Bay United. I want to thank Waleed, Corey, and of course, Aaron Bruner from the Slammers and Richmond United, respectively. The uber-talented Christian Lavers, president and CEO of the ECNL, Jen Winnego, the ECNL Girls Commissioner, and all the great folks at the ECNL for an incredible weekend that went into Monday as part of the ECNL Girls National Championships. Also want to thank our producer, Colin Thrash, Andrea Wheeler, Jacob Bourne, and the great promotions team at the ECNL, and all of you, the great members, coaches, and administrators of the ECNL and all of their teams for each and every one of them. I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you in two weeks for another edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.